This is a Media 8 production. The I, the being that you think you are, that's witnessing or listening to this podcast, what is actually hearing that, the awareness, the consciousness, actually be perceived by something else? And if it can, then can that be perceived? And so on and so forth. And what happens is a startling realisation that there's just a pure sense of awareness of being that lies at the base or the background of everything that happens in your life. And when you learn to breathe into that and connect with that and identify with that, then the drama of your life loses all its pressure, loses all its angst. The world is full of amazing people. And once a week, I get the opportunity to interview one of them. My name is Brett McCallum, and this is Awesome Human. Welcome to Awesome Humans. I'm Brett McCallum at VG Macro on all the social media. And I'm here today to uh, introduce another awesome human. About 12 months ago, I was not in a good place. I had anger issues, problems at home, issues hanging out with my kids. I was very unhappy in the workplace. I was dealing with my fast running mind and all in all in all in all, I needed some help. My amazing missus helped me. She got me to see a psychologist. I was too much of a man to do that, I thought, but uh, she told me I had to, so I listened to her. Anyway, very long story short, I met this bloke who's the only person I've ever met who's diagnosed me correctly. I don't have ADD or ADHD. I was actually afraid of boredom, and we'll get into that a bit more shortly. Since then, he's taught me how to meditate, be at one with myself, and become an all-round better person. This bloke's a registered psychologist with more than 15 years' experience. In his time, he works alongside children, adolescents, parents and families experiencing a range of difficulties. He has a special interest in working with clients dealing with mood disorders such as anxiety and depression, grief and or trauma, autism spectrum disorders, ASD and behavioural problems. This bloke's completed training courses in family therapy, clinical hypnosis and psychotherapy and provides programs and works systematically with families. He's my psychologist. Wow, I never thought I'd say that. Chris Dixon, welcome, my friend. G'day, how you doing? I'm good, thank you very much. So, Chris, a psychologist, what is a psychologist? It's a good question. That stumped you on the first one. Well, I, well, I'm just thinking about where you ripped that bio off from, actually. <laughs> You've done a bit of Googling. <laughs> You've come across a site. It wasn't I, too bad, was well, it? Well, you know, I, I think I wrote that myself, so that's very oh, interesting. Yeah, yeah. Give, yourself a, give yourself a wrap. Mate, what is a psychologist? Well, a psychologist, uh, well, there's different types of psychologists. Psych- Psychology is a very broad field. And I'm a registered psychologist, not a clinical psychologist. And uh, that's so, what's the of, difference between a registered and a clinical? Clinical have done their masters, okay, and have worked in a hospital, very clinical setting. Okay, so, so they're probably more likely to diagnose and uh, put in a very uh, clinical framework. Fair point. Yep. Uh, in regards to how they engage with uh, with humans, yeah. Where I'm registered, I did the four years, two years supervision, and I work in a. Well, that word you said uh, was systemic, not 
What did I say? Systematic? Systematic. Sorry, systemic. Systemic is more of a family-based reality where you look at uh, the broad context of the human situation, not just a uh, diagnosis. Okay, cool. Mm. So, mate, what I like to do on here is I like to get an understanding of who the people are and where they've come from and how it'll work. So always my first question. Yeah. What's your first ever memory? Uh, well, this lifetime. This lifetime, yeah. Okay. Uh, this lifetime. I've got a very early memories of, uh, you know, um, one of my first memories is my decision at about nine months to try and walk. Nine months? You remember that? Yeah. Do you, do you think you remember that or you've tapped into that later in life? Don't know. Well, what's a memory? There we go. This is going to be a really interesting podcast. Yeah, that's unusual. Most people don't tend to have memories before four. Uh, but again, you know, ASD people can have very fixed uh, sense of memory that goes back a little bit earlier, you find. Okay. Yeah. So you mentioned in this lifetime. I did. So what previous life? Do you remember? Uh, you know, through my uh, meditative practice and um, hypnosis and a whole range of other um, processes, you know, you have certain memories that uh, that feel like memories that uh, can't be placed in this, this particular lifetime. So it's an interesting one, mate. And is there one that you can tell us about? Or not really? That's up to you. Well, no, I, well, you can ask away. It's not necessarily a, a very psychological framework but, but that's okay. it's a broader framework um there was one memory that i'll share um i was doing hypnosis with a uh with a, uh, with a client and that client had gone in and out of home uh, hypnosis a few times and uh had formed connection with certain um uh higher sense of himself and uh one moment he was telling a story about himself and then he says wait a minute the this i'm hearing a voice that um and told me a story about myself uh, being on a uh, boat in a uh, you know 17th century kind of uh ship where we were working with the dying in a war so we we're healing and, we, and I, I had a particular role but that why that was such a startling moment for me is because i remember being about uh, six years old and i had this memory of the smell of death Wow. On this boat. Yeah. And it just wafted over me, this stench, and I kind of remembered this scene and it felt really weird and I never said anything to anybody. Never wow. spoke about it. And then 30 years later, this guy's, you know, reinforcing that memory through his own uh, psychic exploration. That's which amazing. was just a strange experience to have. So was that many, many years later? Well, I was six when I remembered it. And uh -huh. when he told me that, I was, yeah, yeah, uh, late 30s oh wow that's um that's amazing it's bizarre it is bizarre so deja vu is that a similar scent like people call it deja vu i don't know if it's a real thing or not but when you think you've been somewhere or you remember something or something along those lines is that a similar sort of state do you believe i think it's a yeah again it's a very interesting experience and it's kind of uh the feeling that you're reliving a moment that you've you're already aware of on some level, yeah. so you kind of feel like you've been there before doing the same thing. 
Yeah, uh, it happens to people all the time. Some people think it's a bit of a cognitive reset of the mind. But for me, you know, it relates to some of these more uh, higher plane psychic experiences. And it's interesting you say higher plane because when I first walked in the door, mm. um, I'm sure you see a lot of people like me um, in that, that sort of business oh, entrepreneurial. You're a very unique human <laughs> being. I am a very unique human being. But the thing is I, I don't believe in God, I don't believe in spirits, I don't believe in any of that sort of stuff. When actually I do, yeah. I'll, I'll rephrase that because after many, many discussions with yourself, we've had in regards to what is things and um, your comment back to me a lot is, well, what is that? And you sit there and, and think about it. And I um, I, I find it really interesting when I go home from a session and my wife says, what did you talk about? And it's like, I actually don't know. <laughs> I do know, but I don't know. It's like because like, you go into whether it's a meditative state or whether it's a hypnotic state or whatever whatever it is, it, it's sort of I feel that there's, a, there's an energy that uh, when you walk in this room, and I know you've mentioned to me a number of times when I walk in the room, wow, you're buzzing up here and and uh, oh. or <laughs> you're buzzing down there. Mm. And um, I, just, I just find, do you find that with a lot of other clients or how does that work? Is everyone the same? Oh, everyone has their highs and lows. Some people are more uh, predominant and extreme mm-hmm. than other people. I mean, that's part of the therapeutic process and part of the working systemically. You know, you pick up on the energy and vibe of where a person's at. And, you and does that affect you? Uh, it has an impact. I yeah. suppose that's the, it's the role, it's the job to, you know, open yourself to those kind of things. Because I, th- I think it would be hard in a way not for it not to affect you. Do you take work home? And what I mean by that, do you, if someone has a, an effect, positive, negative or whatever, on you, do you take that home to your family? Uh, no, you take the wear and tear, like any job, I suppose. I mean, I could ask you, does uh, does working with a complicated manager impact on how you relate to your Oh, wife, yeah, definitely. Wife, children, when you're with, yeah. Without doubt. So it'd be this very similar experience. Yeah. But, you know, sometimes you're uh, locked up in your office for eight, ten hours a day, one-on-one for yep. an hour. So it does have a wear and tear kind of. And you've got, that's why you've got to look after yourself and that's why it's important you practice what you preach and mm-hmm. do your yoga and your meditation, your Tai Chi and force yourself or, you know, encourage yourself to engage and uh, be close to those that you care about. Excellent. So you mentioned yoga as well and I know you've become, are you a yoga instructor now? Or no, not yet. Becoming I'm, a yogi? I'm uh, going through the course as yeah. we talk. Yeah. And how's that going? Yeah, pretty good. Module six. How many modules? Fourteen. Uh, what, another year, yeah, I think? Uh, another six months, another eight months. Uh, yeah. yeah, by June next year I'll be finished. But, yeah, but it's a 500-hour um, course in Ashtang Yoga, which is eight-limbed yoga. So what's Ashtang? Eight-limbed. What's that mean? Uh, eight. Well, yoga is not just Hatha Yoga, which is the physical aspect. There's breathing and there's meditation and there's, there's bindus and a whole range of different so like the difference from. between a 3D cinema and a 7D cinema, there's lots of different dimensions. Yeah, all at once. And so no, I don't so, mean that in a negative derogatory way, no. of course. Yeah, it's like an 8D. You know, 8D. Oh, yeah, 8D yoga. That's right. And our yoga that we're, you and I have been working on is actually hmm. 5D yoga. So what are the 5Ds? Well, uh, uh, 5Ds, uh, D stands for dimension. Yeah. So there's 
there's three dimensions, forward, backward, up, down, left, right, which mm-hmm. is the material universe. And then we add a fourth dimension, which is time space. Yeah. And what we've done is work with you and your ability to uh, move on the fifth dimension, which is an in-out reality. So when you were meditating the other day and relaxed your bum cheek, you moved inward. I did. I yes. actually had a, just, just to clarify that, <laughs> I had a needle from my doctor, a vitamin B needle in my bum cheek, and she told me, that was a very tight and loose in the muscles, otherwise it's going to hurt, and it hurt a lot. And then she said, well, why don't you just meditate? She swore, but said, why don't you meditate? And I went, oh, that's a good idea. So I went into a meditative state and the cheek relaxed. Relax the cheek. <laughs> Relax the That's a good name for a podcast. <laughs> Relax the cheek. All good. Okay, so in life we all have people that we look up to, we have mentors, we have people that influence us. Who do you say your biggest influences are? Uh, well, different influences and different mentors at different times in your life, I think, you know. Um, Ray Price, an old uh, Parramatta lock back in the early 80s. Mr. Perpetual Motion. Perpetual Motion, there you go. Yeah, yeah he was uh, he was a bit of a role model. I know that relentless um, charge that he used to do. Uh, he now drives a bus on the Gold Coast. Does he? He does, yeah. That's his, what he does now. Okay. Yeah, learned something new today. <laughs> I start catching the bus. There you go. Said has it have a conversation with uh, with Ray, uh, you know, and you move through life, and there's different, uh, you know, uh, different teachers, different students. I suppose I've become very interested in Ram Dass's teaching, which he was a he's an ex uh, Harvard professor of psychology, and went through his own journey. So he's got his own podcast and stuff. He's a very interesting character. His journey and uh, Muji, which is an Avata teacher, is a big part of mine. Ramana Maharshi, uh, an Indian saint, is a, is a big thing. And uh, Reem Das's guru, uh, Reem Kane Kali Baba, which is it's just you know interesting people you read about. Yep. Yeah, that's interesting because like guys like Richard Branson and Gary Vaynerchuk and those sort of entrepreneurial minds are are the people that I um, look up to and. It's, it's since I've been seeing you, I've actually also brought my father back into that realm. Uh, for a long time, I was angry and mad at the way he lived his life and then realised after we've had long, lots of conversations that uh, actually, no, he was a very positive role model to me and someone that I obviously missed dearly. And, uh, but at the same time, uh, I put him up on that spectrum. Yeah. And it, the, I think the most important thing about role models is, is what you take, what you take from the experiences yeah, you have with people. So. There's different interpretations. Yeah, there is. And the old Buddhist saying is nothing changes but the perspective of the observer. So each interaction is an opportunity to glean some type of gold. That's gold. That's gold. There you go. That's that's wonderful. So what's your best, biggest or best achievement in life? Well, define achievement. Well, do how do you define achievement? I think breathing's a good one. Good start to the yeah, day. Good start to the day. Take a deep <laughs> breath. Um, healing my own mind, I think, is part of my journey. You know, um, yeah. I, I, I suppose I don't operate like I don't think in that kind of term. Uh, achievement. I think life's a process. So uh, my ability to understand and connect with the now. I think my ability to become present has become the central focus of my entire life. And that was a, a long journey and uh, a lot of practice and research went into that. To, you know, part of becoming a psychologist, that was part of that journey as well. So that would probably be the ability to appreciate the moment I'm in. Yeah. 
I love it. I, lo- I love that. Oh, it's funny I ask that to everyone that I that I have over on this podcast, and usually they say, "Oh, it's my kids." Hmm. And it's like, well, are your kids an actual achievement? And then they think, "Oh, no, actually." No, they're not, are they? It's like well, I love my kids. Of course, we all love our kids. And they're, yeah, they're not my achievement. They're not exactly. Their life is their life. Yeah, I, I love, I love the fact that you sort of um, you've articulated it in a way that's really easy for people to understand, and that's that's something that I really get out of every time we catch up. Is I start to understand a little bit more about me, and that's I think once you find that inner core person, whatever it is, the center. Then, uh, then that's something that that's that's really interesting. So let's go back again. So what's the what's the Chris story? Where did where did it all start? Nineteen seventy four in Wentworthville. Wentworthville in Sydney, New South Wales, Sydney. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Uh, Mum and Dad together for forever, long twenty five years. Lived in the same house. Went to Blacktown, played football. Well, Blacktown School. Yeah, Blacktown Christian Brothers. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Was that what primary and high school, or no? No, uh, Holly uh, St Andrews is primary school to year four, and then in those days you went from fifth grade to year ten at uh, yeah. high school, and then two years at uh, John Paul too. Played a lot of footy, rugby league, played a bit of SG ball for Penrith. You know that was my up until nineteen. Then did a trade for six years. What was your trade? Theatre and town. Oh really? Yeah, so uh wasn't very good at it, didn't like it. <laughs> but you had to but get again, a, you had to get a trade. The Ray Price stick it out, keep yeah. keep muscling through, you know, don't be a quitter. But uh popped out the other end, moved to Townsville, I decided to go to uni. I uh, went to the Why peaks. Townsville? I went to Townsville for work. Oh, okay. As a fitter and turner. Yeah. Yeah. So it wasn't a family decision? You were single then? Ah, uh, well, I was with my current partner, we were boyfriend and girlfriend. So oh, okay. a couple of months later she she followed me up there and we oh, stayed nice. there for fifteen years. But I uh quit work and went to uni and I uh, went to the P section to do philosophy because I had an interest in self exploration. Yeah. The JCU uh, didn't have a philosophy department, but as I was in the P section I picked up the psychology <laughs> Fair <laughs> and, enough. And here, and here we are. So yeah. why was there a moment when you thought I don't want to be a fitter and turner anymore. I want to do something more with my life. Like, was there a day or was it sort of something that just got more and more laborious? And Well, no, I never felt quite comfortable, but uh, not being 100% sure and not having a lot of self-belief, uh, uh, didn't really know what I wanted to do. But uh, I can tell you the moment where I sealed my fate. Mm. I uh, was in the fourth year of my apprenticeship and I got together with a fellow apprentice and we decided to play a bit of a prank. So uh, have you ever heard of a settling bomb? No. Have you ever done any uh, well, certain gases that form oxycutter <laughs> when you cut, <laughs> yeah, you yeah, cut metal, yeah. shh, get the flame going? So when you put that in a balloon and light it up, it makes a big bang. Okay. Well, we decided to fill a bar- garbage bag. Oh, that was clever. It's a bit scary, a bit silly, bit but silly. Uh, nevertheless, we went out the back and we created a fuse and we lit this thing and uh, kaboom, it uh, shook the windows 300 metres from where we were standing. It's like an atomic bomb. <laughs> I'd be on some type of CIA ASIO <laughs> <laughs> list now if it happened back there. But that was the day that there was no going back from that point. I wasn't going to get a job. Did you uh, get sacked? Ah, uh, yes. yes <laughs> Walked second. immediately. I was escorted from the premises. <laughs> so did you finish your apprenticeship? 
finished my apprenticeship. Yeah, it was all kind of wrapping up then. So it was the last few weeks and, you know, <laughs> what are they going to do? We are kind of getting moved on anyway. So, uh, but nevertheless, uh, that made it very complicated for, for, for me to uh, imagine that being my future. And it was just it was a, a moment where I kind of did something out of the ordinary. It's not my standard cup of tea type of thing. But you went out with a bang. Went out with a bang. Literally. Yeah, it's funny, a funny story in my family. Wow. So school, like you say that you didn't know what you wanted to do, and I, I always find this really interesting is the fact that I don't like the way kids are educated these days. I, I don't think it's the right education for them for future roles in life. And um, But were you guided towards that at school? Were you told, oh, you're one of those football kids you should just go and get a trade like were you were you pushed that way or did you think or was it a family thing what made you get a trade uh well you know working class family don't um don't do nothing don't have a gap year don't figure it out completed year 12 um and really had no sense you know i probably would have ideally like to become a chef, but my dad kind of said, you know, shift work and night shift and you probably want to steer away from that. Yeah. And he worked in an engineering, an engineering firm, so he kind of, uh, you know, said that might be a good option and I decided to, you know, become more practical and, you know, manly orientated. It was never my thing. I was never, never the one to pull apart bikes or to get into that kind yeah. of stuff, but it actually served a purpose, you know. It, it's taught me how to change a light bulb and I am one of the best sweepers you'll ever meet. Really? That's what you learn in apprenticeship. You're the sweeper. First two years, you know, you know a lot of sweeping. <laughs> I proud myself today of my ability. And I'm glad your missus is happy with that too. <laughs> I probably don't do it as much as I should. Yeah, well, she's going to make it. when I do, happy. yeah, you better believe it's no problem. <laughs> so when you were playing footy, you played SG ball for Penrith? Yeah. Was that, that must have been around the Mark Guyer type era? Yeah. Yeah, so he was a little bit older and his brother was a year younger. So, yeah, the guys were at Cambridge Park. Yeah, and they all they were all around Penrith and that, yeah, yeah. that at the time. And so football wasn't – you didn't obviously make it to the next level. Was that an ambition? Uh, no, I played school, full school uh, – uh, you know, school footy. We played uh, – what was it called back then? God, I can't even remember. Yeah, we, we played in the Federal teams. A few of my blokes that I played along with went to went on to play for grade and stuff like that. But, yeah, yeah. being a smaller fellow was probably never a real option. It was a dream. Fell out of love with it. it didn't go on to play senior football. And, you didn't? Uh, no, oh, okay. Pursued other paths. Yeah. Okay. So you've gone to Townsville. Mm-hmm. You've then uh, sort of found the P section at the university. Mm-hmm. Become Did your psychology degree up there. Mm-hmm. And you mentioned earlier about uh, you had four years in the degree and then two years supervised. What's that mean? Supervised practice. So, uh, so someone sits in a room with you? No, no. I, I worked at uh, Education Queensland, so I worked as a behaviour uh, specialist and uh, had a had a supervisor that I would meet up for a couple of hours every two weeks. Oh, well. okay. So like a mentor. Type. Yeah, and we worked through clients and cases and yeah. talk about, you know, well, what we talked about was postmodernism and deconstruction and social constructionism and uh, existential reality and some really yeah. interesting stuff. But the psychs really don't get that kind of training anymore. You know, it's very clinical. It's very pathological. It's very yeah. medical-based. So yeah. so then you've done your two years with Education Queensland. Did you go out on your own then or what did you do after that? Split. Worked for a, an EAP mob, which is an employee assistance program. So that's, you know, you're kind of working in a brief therapy, four or five sessions with whoever comes through the door. So that was good grounding, 25 clients a week. 
And uh, yeah, then we're down on my own. And how long has that been now? Uh, 2006, I went out on my own. 11 years. Round about. Awesome. Mm-hmm. And are you still enjoying it? Like, is this you? Or what's next? Uh, I, I do enjoy it. There's still a buzz. I still really uh, get a lot from engaging with people. But the industry's changed, you know, uh, making a making a dollars it's an interesting space it's quite competitive there's lots of psychologists out there the industries move on with masters and doctorate you know so you, you're kind of getting left behind coming a bit of an old dog but i do truly enga- uh, love engaging in that intimate space with people but yeah longevity where do i see it i, I think i've moved more into you know coaching and life coaching and uh, meditative practice and that's why i'm probably studying yoga and trying to diversify uh, how I engage with people. So with those decisions, like the yoga and all that sort of stuff, are they decisions to make you a better you or are they decisions to help your career path? I see those things as one and the same. Okay, that's good. That's good because one of the things that we've discussed on our uh, previously is that the, the entrepreneurial mind um, there's a lot. There's a lot of entre- the entrepreneurial spirit. Spirit. Oh, yeah. We can go spirit. Oh, That's I'm fine. just you know throwing it out there. <laughs> you asked me at the beginning. You asked me what psychology was. Yep. The definition originally was uh, the study of the spirit. Really? So what is the spirit? But, but then it developed into the study of the mind, and that exactly that transition is what psychology has gone on with. So what yeah. is spirit? What is the spirit? Oh, what makes you you? Is it your brain? Is it your mind? Or is it your being? You know, it's it's an interesting, and there is no answer to that philosophical question. Well, there's no right or wrong, but yeah. psychology today takes a particular orientation. So, psychology today, what they're taught in university and that sort of stuff, is that different to psychology that you learn? As you say, it's a lot more well, you have to in look, the box. You type have to look stuff. through the history, and you know, we've we've moved from behavioralisms to gestalt theory to humanism to CBT, cognitive behavioural therapy, but it's become very much um, pathologised in as much as even to come see a psychologist now, you get a mental health plan, which is you go see your GP, which you get a diagnosis, and then that's followed through with a, under a medical model. Mm-hmm. Okay, And so that's the change that's occurred. That's only really occurred in the last 10 years, but, okay. it's, but it's become mainstream and that's how people think about it. And I think it's also... Um, changed a lot in the in the old days. Blokes wouldn't go and see people that fuck with their heads, whether it's psychologists, psychiatrists, or whatever. They just dealt with their issues. I think over the last, well, I think four or five years, maybe longer, it's been well. well you know, were they drunk or they yeah, you know, exactly, or they turned their steering wheel into a pack of chips? They did, or, yeah. Or... And I can explain that later on. But um, but no, it's true. They they did other things. Um, people weren't really out there talking about um this stuff it wasn't wasn't manly to talk about your problems and your issues and um i think these days that that's a lot more uh accepted in society and and i think um uh that would benefit you from a business point of view and i I love having these conversations with you in regards to okay what's next for business and i'm i'm now starting to help you a bit with a bit of business coaching and you're helping with head coaching and and we're also going to bring out our um, own podcast, the the third beer. I think it's currently called the third beer. The third beer, and uh, um, I think it's it's really really interesting to me about how people now do uh, partake in this practice. 
Does that make any sense, or do I just ramble for no reason? No, no, it does, and it's it's an interesting space, and I think that's the the evolution of our relationship and how we think about it. I'm still not sure spirit should be up for sale. I'm really sure that you should be able to feed your family. <laughs> and I agree with both statements. <laughs> Again, there's no right or wrong. There's no right or wrong. I agree that uh, I need to feed my family and, uh, you know, and I also agree and, and think about and contemplate whether or not assisting humans to better understand themselves is a, is a commodity that should be marketed and sold. And you only have to go on YouTube now and look at coaching or, you know, some of the stuff you've done in the yep. past, you know. Uh, For sure. Who's the big teeth guy? Anthony, Anthony Robbins. Anthony Robbins. The you know, big teeth guy. The big teeth guy. He has enormous guy. hands as well. He's a big fella. He's about 6'6". Six, six, so. Yeah, he's, he's, Boy. there's a lot of him. And he's yeah. done really, really well. And uh, he, 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 he he sells a, an experience. He and, does. And he, and, he, and, he, and he preaches a practice. And uh, it works for some people. But often the time they get filled up with emotion and motivation and then it can kind of fade off where yeah, yeah for sure whereas you were looking more at the longer term I'm sort on of a slow burn trying to let people to better understand themselves and develop their own practices yeah which is a harder 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 thing to sell oh without doubt it's a um it, it's a much harder thing to sell but you can't say this works do this and you will make a million dollars oh, you've got to say course. let's find out what would work for you and yes and how you might make a million dollars if at the end of this process you still want to make a million and that's one of the most annoying things about you, really, is the fact that every time you say something, you then fill it up with another question and the question you sit there and have to contemplate. Well, that's called Socrates' dialogue. It's <laughs> been made of from Greece called Socrates and that's what he did and he'd ask, you, uh, he'd ask you to break it down and essentially that's a deconstructive model. Let's strip it all back. Yep. Let's see what the real intent is. And it is. works. Uh, it definitely works. I, I'm, well, I'm, then, yeah, but then you have to move into a constructive phase. Yes. But it's a circular process. We're never on a straight run yeah it's always got yeah. ups and downs yeah, it's got we ups know. and downs and we we tinker around we get improvements and then we fall back to old patterns and we just keep tinkering and keep moving forward i mean that's the real art form there isn't a five-step path to success no no but that's what we're sold yes we are and and yeah. people make a shitload of money out of it and yeah i keep you know i, un I understand we should, we should. <laughs> <laughs> it's a 370 Again, I, step process <laughs> That's what you need to look at. It's a it's a it's a five D process, isn't it? There you it's go. B five D. The B five D program to success. Yeah, I like that. It's already written. We could work on that later. It's ready to go. Okay, so when we first started seeing each other, I um I come into this room and had no idea what we were going to talk about, how we we're going to do things, and you said to me I had to find the center, and I still had no idea what that meant. I, I do know a lot more now. But there's one thing that's stuck well, with me. Well, let, let's let's stop there for a second. Okay. Did, did I say you had to find this? No, no, you said, can you find this? Well, it's a question. Of course you didn't <laughs> yeah, say you yeah. have to. You asked I, the question. I just, just clearly. No, that's fine. Yeah, that's fine. Yeah, yeah. But there's one thing you did send, say to me, which is just stuck in my head the whole way, and it actually explains a lot to me, and that is the the um, the saying, the knife cannot cut itself. And oh. it has always stuck in my head for, since there's sort of like eight months or so that we've been uh, we've been. Communicating? Well, again, I didn't say the knife can't cut itself. You said, can the knife cut itself? Of course. Yeah, of course. It's it's a a subtle shift in that reality. Yeah, yeah. Can you explain to me in 30 seconds or less what that means? The perceiver cannot be perceived. Yeah. Mm, that's Keep it. going. Uh, well, I thought I covered that. 
You did? Yeah. <laughs> so you did? Quick, I want to do it for the podcast. Uh, for the podcast, we go a bit deeper into that. Yeah. It means the reality, the I, the being that you think you are that's witnessing or listening to this podcast, can what is actually hearing that, the awareness, the consciousness, actually be perceived by something else? And if it can, then can that be perceived and so on and so forth? And what happens is a startling realisation that there's just a pure sense of awareness of being that lies at the base or the background of everything that happens in your life. And when you learn to breathe into that and connect with that and identify with that, then the drama of your life loses all its pressure, loses all its angst. You learn to let it go. And you still get sucked into it, but even when you're into it, this is where mindfulness comes in. You become mindful that you're caught in the drama your witness takes over and go, oh, here I am doing my, turning my uh, steering wheel into a pack of chips or being angry at my wife. You, there's a witness that takes place. And when you learn to disidentify from the drama and connect with that witness again, then everything just centers. So can the knife cut itself? Well, that's an interesting koan. Koan. A Zen practice of snapping the logical, rational mind out of its ordinary box. And I believe it works. I really do. And I, I think when every time I go into a negative state or something, I always actually think about that. And it's you're one asking, of those you're things. Ask, that, you're practising a Zen practice, see? You're asking yourself a koan. Can the knife cut itself? My favourite koan is before the donkey leaves, the horse has already arrived. Work with that one for a little while. So we're going to leave it on that because that is a sensational way to leave. Mate, I really appreciate you. I really appreciate what you do for me and my family. Um, the only people that get to come on this podcast are awesome humans, and I believe you are an awesome human. So thank you for being you, and thank you for helping me out. See you soon. See you around. Hey, guys, thanks for listening. What an amazing human. Don't forget to hit us up on all the social channels at BJ Macker and look out for more Meteorate podcasts.